So you are well um, aware by now at this point um, that six days ago on Monday, um, we experienced yet another mass shooting in our country, that seven people lost their lives in Highland Park, um, Illinois, when they were just out trying to enjoy a family parade and celebrate the independence of our country. Lives were shattered, were lost. Families were shattered. There will be those who will experience trauma, emotional trauma, for the days and weeks and months and years and maybe for the rest of their lives to come. Even though they didn't lose their lives, they may have lost their lives in a way. It wasn't that long ago before this mass shooting that occurred that one kind of in our own neighborhood just right down the road in Uvalde in our own state happened 19 kids 19 elementary aged kids and two teachers were killed a month or two before that 10 people were killed in a supermarket they're just grocery shopping and someone walks in and just decides to take life Again, the devastation, the, the impact, the, the hurt. I mean, it's, it's hard to watch these kind of things. It's hard to hear about these kind of things because, honestly, we can all, we can all find ourselves in these type of things. I mean, there's, there's grandparents, there's, there's moms and dads, there's teenagers, there's, there's kids, there's people just like us who have had their lives taken from them, who... We know are suffering from the loss, experiencing these things. Heart-wrenching. Our hearts go out to those affected by this. But you know, it, it really goes above and beyond that. It affects us personally. It affects us indirectly because it causes a lot of us to begin to live our own lives in fear right i mean we see these kind of things happen we see there are people just like us we hear them on the news going we never thought it could happen here and yet it happened there and none of us think it could happen here but if it happened there and it can happen there and they didn't think it could happen there it could certainly happen here we know that and causes many of us to walk with anxiety to walk in fear to not want to leave our homes to not want to gather in places to not want to take our kids out in these things because we don't we don't know it happens in other places could it happen here this is the world that we live in and it's not even just the mass shootings and those kind of things that are taking place it just seems like over the last few years there's been an escalation in the uh, aggression that's been happening within our society an escalation in violence in general in in road rage incidents and just yelling and arguing and the the polarization of where we're at in politics and what we believe in other things and it's like if if, if you don't believe everything and in everything that i believe on this far side then I don't have any place for you in the room if you're over there, right? And we yell at people and we argue with people and we, 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 um, we, we cut people out of our lives. We live in a cancel culture, right? I mean, the, the world that we live in is just filled with all this destruction and all this hurt and all this separation and all this 
fear and anxiety and worry and it just honestly seems to be getting worse it's like all of these things that we see on the outside are really just an expression behaviors being motivated motivated by this this inner death that we're all experiencing this this emptiness that we have on the inside the lack of meaning the lack of purpose the the loneliness the boredom that we have in life and, and because we feel all of this on the inside, some people act out in these super uber aggressive ways to some weird way to find meaning and purpose, to fight whatever's going on on the inside, to, to fill them up in some way because of the, the inner death and emptiness that they feel on the inside. And sometimes we may not act out in that particular way, but we may enter into some of those arguments we may enter into the road rages we may be the people that are looking on the ones on the other side of the aisle and yelling and screaming at them and saying i'm canceling you and we participate in many of the same things that are going on in our culture today and if we don't act out in those ways we certainly find other ways to express the the emptiness and the loneliness and the and the boredom and the lack of meaning and purpose in our lives because we're constantly trying to to fill up the emptiness and the hole that we feel on the inside with with entertainment with social media with movies and tv and more netflix and youtube and whatever it is that we can find and we've got to find more and more and more and more because we're always feeling like it's not enough to keep us satisfied and fulfilled we do the same thing with food in our lives i've got to find the best quality kinds of food and i need more of it and it's going to bring me something that i'm feeling on the inside we we act out we use certain language we 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 act a certain way in front of other people we put a performance on at our jobs and try to create titles and we're just these are all outward behaviors and an, an inner emptiness and an inner death that we are experiencing in our own Lives. It's almost like when you look around the world at everything that is happening, the things that we feel in our own lives, the way we're acting out on our own, it almost feels like death is ruling and reigning over us. Really feels like death is just ruling in an absolute controlling manner, that it is reigning over us and there is nothing that we can do about it. We can't seem to have inner peace. We can't seem to feel the emptiness and the loneliness and all of those things. We, we can't escape the aggressive violence and people dying and it could be us next. And even if it doesn't come to one of those things, we all know that at some point we have an expiration date. That death is coming for us all in one way or another. We can't escape that really is that death is ruling and reigning over us not just in an inner way but in a physical way because it will come for us all and there is nothing that we can do about it we're controlled by it we're slaves to it we're in bondage to death is there any hope is there any way we can escape this bondage to death it's all around us so consuming sometimes it doesn't feel like there's any hope I asked you to turn to Romans chapter 5 verse 12 let's see if Paul the apostle Paul has any hope for us when it comes to this bondage 
the death that we experience on a daily basis. Paul says, therefore, tying into what he just had to say in the first 11 verses of this chapter that we looked at a couple of weeks ago, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. Let's, let's just pause right there. Paul says, sin entered the world through one man. Who is Paul referring to there? He's referring to Adam, right? He's taking us back to the Genesis account. Adam, the first creation, the firstborn of all creation, right? And how how the disobedience to God in the garden that we see in the fall in chapter 3 was when sin entered the world. And Paul's saying before that point, sin wasn't in the world. But through Adam and his disobedience to God, that is what brought sin into the world, and it had consequences. And Paul said not only did when sin entered the world through one man, what did he say next in the verse? And death through sin so as a result of the sin entering the world the consequence of that was death death entered into our world prior to sin entering the world death was not part of the world that we lived in but once sin entered the world death was one of the consequences that came in as a result of sin entering the world and really we knew that because adam knew that would happen because god had told him They were told there were two trees in the garden, that there there was the tree of life, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And he said, you can eat from the tree of life, which was a reference to himself. He is the life. He's the one that created. He's the one who brings satisfaction, fulfillment, and meaning. And if they depended upon him for all that they had in him, then life would be great. But if you choose to go out on your own way and you feel like I'm holding out on you and you can do better on your own, there will be consequences. And one of those is death. And he chose that route and death entered into the world. Now, Adam didn't drop dead on the spot, but the process of dying was introduced. It wasn't just a physical death that was introduced, though. In the process of physically dying, there was a spiritual death that occurred. There was a separation. God removed Adam and Eve from the garden, right? A holy and a perfect God cannot be in the presence of sin. And so they had to leave the garden so that God could not be in the presence of sin. They had to be banished. There was a separation. There was a spiritual death. Up to that point, they were in union with God, receiving from Him all the things that they needed for life. He was their creator. He knew what they needed. He was providing for them in all of those ways, but they were convinced in their own mind, deceived by Satan, that he was holding out on them, that he wasn't providing everything that they could experience in this life. And so they chose to go their own way, and death entered into the world. There was a spiritual separation. They would eventually die one day. And then Paul says, hey, this wasn't just true of Adam. He says, listen, at the end of the verse, he said, in this way, And in this way, death came to all people. So every person that was born after Adam, death would be a part of their experience as well. A physical death, every one of us will die, and every one of us, the moment that we are born, are separated from God, experiencing that loss and that emptiness and all of those things that we feel on the inside that he was supposed to provide for us in the first place. And the reason he says that's true is because all sinned. Now, some of you were like, time out there, right? Because um, that said Adam sinned, and I wasn't born until uh, 2009 or whatever, and I wasn't there, so that was Adam, not me, right? Well, according to Paul, when Adam sinned, we, we all sinned. Like, there's, there's some way that either as the representation of all of humanity, right, that, that we sinned 
as a humanity in that moment or he sinned and it was passed down to us since we come from Adam but sin is a part of all of our lives we will experience death uh, physical death one day we are all born spiritually dead and at that moment going to be eventually looking for life meaning purpose to fill us on the inside because it, we're, we're, we're empty right now, now, Paul finishes this, and you noticed at the end of that verse, if you're following along, or we can go back, or right there, it says there's a dash, right? Now, that's not normally part of what you read in Scripture. You don't find too many dashes. Like, there's a period, there's commas, that kind of thing. Why is there a, a dash there? Well, it's, it's there because Paul had just started to make a comparison. He said, just as, right? So he started talking about sin entering the world through one man his intention is to come back and compare sin entering the world to one man to something else but it's like after saying that he senses an objection from the church at rome who would be reading this originally and that was uh, adam's disobedience right and so uh, how could you say paul that sin entered the world through adam's disobedience when the law wasn't even given yet to moses so, so he, okay, he puts the comparison on pause, and now this is like a parenthetical remark. And he's going to make several statements before he ever comes back and finishes the comparison, not until like verse 18. But we've got to dive into what Paul says here to understand even more about uh, an appreciation of the comparison that's going to come in a second. So going on in verse 13 and kind of the beginning of this parenthetical statement, Paul says, to be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not charged to anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. Paul says, hey, just in case you think that sin wasn't in the world until the law was given and you actually broke one of the laws then, make no mistake about it, it was in the world. Sin was in the world, people were condemned, it was introduced to make people accountable for their sin, but sin was still in the world and paul makes this statement and it's going to come up over and over and over again he says a matter of fact the moment that sin entered this world to the time of moses which he was making his point about right here death reigned death had absolute control death would rule over and over death was in charge now paul didn't just mean that it was just from the time of adam to moses like he understands and we all understand that death has been reigning from that time he was just going back to answer the question what about the law and this and that it's obvious that when he says that death reigns then he meant that from the introduction of sin and death entering into the world and that becomes all a part of all of our experience so sometimes it feels like death is ruling and reigning in this world that we live in because it is. We, we see it right there, right? It's in the text. God said it. This is why. You look around and it answers the question why it feels like death is ruling and reigning because death really does rule and reign. It controls us we can try as hard as we want to to avoid death you can try <laughs> you could maybe even prolong your life a little bit 
year or two, 10 years, I don't know if you're lucky, 20 or 30 years. But you can't escape death. You can try, but you can't escape death. You can try to fill the inner uh, uh, emptiness that you feel, the inner death that you experience, and you can fill it up with as much entertainment as you want. You can fill it up with as much food as you want. You can try to impress all your friends and use all the language that would impress them, and you can try to perform and earn a certain title in your job or uh, a certain status on your sports team at school or whatever it is you try to fill up. You're always at some point going to feel empty again, and you're going to have to go back to that thing again or something else else to fill your bucket back up it's really like there's a hole in the bottom of your bucket you may feel companionship you may feel like you're fulfilled for a little while you can fill it up it's not a maybe a huge hole um, and it can get pretty full and you're like i'm feeling pretty good but at some point there is a hole in the bucket it is draining out and the lower and lower it gets the emptier and emptier you're going to feel and you're going to have to go back to those things and a lot of times those particular things don't work anymore and so you have to go to other things and you got to up the ante every single time i need bigger i need more violence in this game or i need more entertainment i need more outrageous politics than I did before, right? It's got to be more, bigger, and better because nothing ever seems to fill us or satisfy us. You see, this is the world that we live in. Why? Because death is ruling and reigning over us. This is going to continue to come up throughout the rest of this time. One other quick thing to point out before we get going is in verse 14, Paul makes the statement that Adam is a pattern of the one to come. Who is the one to come? It's a reference to Jesus, right? He's comparing Adam and Jesus in some way, that in some way Adam and Jesus are alike. And what he's going to get at is that Adam and Jesus are both heads of races, that Adam is the head of the human race, but Jesus, through his life and death and resurrection, is the head of an entirely new race that was created or can be created after that. And so they're alike in some way, but now he's going to get to how different they are. That the result of Adam being the head of the human race and causing these effects and results in the world is one thing, but Jesus being the head of the new race and the effects that he causes are very different than the one that Adam causes. And this is what he gets into in these next few verses. This is so good. If, you, if I've lost you at some point, if you've checked out, check your neighbor, make sure you elbow them if they have fallen asleep or trying to take a little nappy-nappy because it's time to wake up because Paul is about to get going and this is good and this is, you're going to want to hear it, all right? So verse 15, he says, but the gift, this is a reference to Jesus, is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass, which is a reference to sins, uh, of the one man, being Adam, how much more, underline that, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, overflow, or in some translations, abound to the many? Right? So, so, so Adam, having brought sin into the world and left all of humanity under the reign of death, but God, through the gift of Jesus Christ, more than makes up, he's saying, for the effects of Adam's disobedience. Way more than makes up. It's like the, the word overflow or the translated abound there is, is like a, abundance. It means a lot, like more than. But it's even like not just abundant, but like super abundant. 
right? I mean, you use the word abundant, and you're already thinking that's a lot. But Paul, the way he writes this in the original language, is like super abundant. It's like over and beyond anything that you get out of the results of Adam. It goes way above and beyond those effects. He goes on, verse 16, nor can the gift of God be compared with the results of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. And so, so in other words, he's saying like one man, Adam, sinned and began to have all these other sins that came in, right? So this, this one sin happened, and then as a result of that, there are numerous trespasses, numerous sins that happened. I mean, hundreds and thousands and millions and, and billions of sins that have happened in the world since Adam all the way up until the time Jesus died. But Jesus' death, the sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection was sufficient enough to overcome all of the past, all of the sins that were being committed in the present, and all of the, the future sins that would ever be committed in that moment. So Jesus' sacrifice in the effect is way above and beyond because Adam's just one sin brought many sins into it, but Jesus's had to overcome all all of that in order to make something good happen out of it. He's trying to show how superior the effects of Jesus's death and resurrection and being the head of a new race is than Adam in being a part of humanity. Now watch this. This is where it just gets crazy. Verse 17. For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned throughout that one man, how much more, underline that again, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life, underline that, reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Here's, here, here's how I can explain this to you. Um, anybody take physics when they were in high school, maybe a semester or a, a year of physics or in college. I took, I took one year of physics when I was a senior in high school, and I honestly can't tell you very much that I learned in that particular class, but I certainly remember that we talked about a law of gravity, right? That there is a, a law of gravity that keeps all of us on the ground, right? That no matter how hard we try, the law of gravity is ruling and it is raining over us in an absolute manner. You can try as hard as you can to, to, to jump up and defy the law of gravity and do whatever it is that you want to do, and you may be able to get off the ground a little bit, but it's going to bring you right back down, and you're going to be stuck here, and you cannot overcome this law of gravity that rules in our world. You just can't. But I also learned in that physics class that there was a law called the law of aerodynamics. And that the law of aerodynamics, even though I couldn't tell you and explain it all to you, is somehow greater than the law of gravity. That there is some way that when you get enough force and you get enough power, you get enough lift on it, then all of a sudden this law of gravity that was pressing down, that is ruling and reigning everything in our world, the law of aerodynamics takes off, and all of a sudden you can fly above the law of gravity. Here's the deal. The law of gravity is the rule and the reign of 
death in our world. It is true of what is happening. It is true of every single one of us because of what Paul is saying here with Adam and and causing all of the things that it's caused in our world that we're all a recipient of right now. And there's so much more that's happening all around us and in our own lives that we, we see and we're worried about and we're experiencing the anxiety of and it's pressing us down. But there is this law of aerodynamics. In other words, there's this law of Jesus Christ, he said. So how much more, he said, will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and do the gift of righteousness not reign in death, but now what? Reign in life. Be controlled by the life in the absolute manner that that there is a way that when you receive Jesus' gift of salvation, you can rise above the law of gravity. You can rise above the rule and the reign of death in your life, and you can fly above it, not just eventually an eternal life in heaven one day, but right now as you live your life in this world. You can experience the reign and control of life in your world certainly is true physically doesn't mean that you're going to 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 not die a physical death one day but we know that there will be a resurrection that we will cross from this life into the next we'll even get new bodies while we're there but also that inner death that we all experience gets taken care of as well the hole in our bucket gets filled up because Jesus deposits his own life. And he even said that he's the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. I am what you're looking for. The reason that you feel the emptiness and the loneliness and the boredom and all the other things that you feel in your life is because you don't have me in it. But once you receive me, I come in, I fill your bucket, fill it all the way up, and it's always full. Natalie and I were going through a bible study in romans several years ago i take that back that's a lie i was not going through the bible study i with her i went through it separately she went through it with someone else but they were going through all of these great truths in romans 5 6 7 and 8 that we're covering this summer and natalie and i honestly hadn't seen what we're really talking about right now really didn't get it right felt like God was up there, we're down here, death is ruling and reigning, and I'm a part of it, and there's, it's got a control over me, and I experienced that emptiness, I experienced that loneliness, I felt like I had to perform in front of people, I had to perform at my job, I had to act out at a certain way, I had to have whatever it was to try to fill my bucket up, and I kept looking for it in all kinds of things in the world, I kept trying to find it in religion, in all the ways that I would perform for God, and Natalie would tell you that was her experience as well and she was reading through this and we were talking about it and beginning to understand uh, a little bit more about life in Christ and she made the statement one time and said Jason I really feel like most lost people don't realize how dead they really are but most saved people don't realize how alive they really are and she could say that from experience because it was true of her and me we would both say that i didn't realize how dead i really was before i came to know christ i didn't realize then how much life i really did have in christ because i didn't 
feel it, right? But once I discovered the truth, once Natalie discovered the truth, then we realized that what was happening in those moments is that is Satan deceiving us and convincing us that we don't really have the life, that we're still in bondage to the rule and the reign of death in our world when the reality was the lock on the chains that we were all wrapped up in had been undone, had twisted it, and fallen off, and we were free from the rule of reign and death, but we just picked it right back up and put it over us and just kept walking around in it is that true of you this morning do you know if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus how alive you already really are in Christ most of us I don't think realize that we feel like I'll get there one day if I act better if I perform better, if I read my Bible more, if I pray more, if I serve more, if I do something right, then I'll finally begin to fill my bucket up and be there. And he says, no, your bucket's full. You don't have to do anything to get it. It's grace. It's a gift. Did you see that in this verse? The gift of righteousness. It's not something you can earn. It's a gift of righteousness that you receive. It's a gift of life that you have. Paul finally gets back to his comparison and finally ends it after making the point here in verse 18 he says consequently just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people for just as through the disobedience of the one man the many were made sinners so also through the obedience of that one man, or the one man, the many will be made righteous. Underline, made righteous. I'll touch on that in a second. I'm going to go back to for all people. At the end of verse 18, it said one righteous act of Jesus, is what he's talking about, resulted in justification and life for all people. Does that mean that all people have life and are right with God and will receive eternal life after they die? doesn't mean that you could begin to think that because it sounds like that's what paul said there but again if you look back one verse at the verse that we just read what did he say how much more will those who receive god's abundant provision of grace the the reality is there has to be a reception of it it is available to all people but there has to be a reception of it the way we receive it is by putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And then what it says here in verse 19, what I asked you to underline, is you will be made righteous. Once again, we said it was a gift. You couldn't do anything to earn it, right? Once again, proving the point, you are made that by Jesus, not by anything that you're doing for Jesus. It's what Jesus does for you. And the more and more you and I become aware of how righteous we are, how much life we really do have in Christ, then we can begin to experience the reign and the rule of life over us, which is true of us already. Uh, quickly, let me say this. Uh, what he's talking about here, he kept going back from, from Adam and one man and all the stuff that happened here and, and Christ and, and all the stuff that happened with him. What he's saying there is there's only two kinds of people in our world. There are those who that are in Adam, and there are those who are in Christ. And that's it. You're either in Adam or you are 
in Christ. If you're in Adam, we've showed these before, but quickly, you have a spiritual death. Death is ruling and reigning. It will affect your mind. It will affect your emotions. It will affect the way that you act and the things that you do, all right? But when you come to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're forgiven. He comes to live in you, and life begins to reign, and he can influence your mind and your emotions and your actions in a way that have that life that you're full of now expressed through you even to other people. Paul finishes up this section in these last two verses in 20 and 21 with a little bit of a surprising twist. It doesn't seem to make sense because Paul brings up the Old Testament law and he hasn't, he hasn't been talking about the law in any of these verses. And you're like, you start to read it and you go, why is Paul bringing up the Old Testament law all of a sudden? And the reason that he's bringing it up is because basically Paul has traced out the religious history of the world in some extremely broad strokes. He went from Adam and all the effects that it had on the world and cut all the way through everything else that's written in the Old Testament and went right to Jesus. And you got an audience that's Jewish and Gentiles and are going, but what about all the stuff in between? What about Moses and the law, right? And so he answers that here. Look what he says in verse uh, 20 and 21 as he finishes this chapter up. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, listen, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. In other words, Paul says the law was never given in order to bring relief from the condition of being in Adam. The sin that was introduced, the death, the ruling and reigning over you, that Paul didn't, or God didn't give the law to Moses to go, now listen, if you follow this and you start acting right and you do really well at this, all of a sudden death will quit ruling and reigning over you and you're gonna experience more life. He says, no, no, no. As a matter of fact, the truth is, is that it was brought in so that sin would increase. Why? Because people would be made aware of their sin. First of all, they didn't even know that they were sinning in some ways, and now they're aware of it. So you go, wow, it seems like sinning has even increased all the more. But here's the other thing. There's a bunch of rules and a list of don't do this and do these other things. Anytime you've ever been told not to do something, what do you want to do? That thing, Right? So he's saying if we bring this up, it's actually going to get worse. It's not actually going to get better. And so don't think that your performance and doing all these things for Jesus was what was going to bring the, the life. Jesus is the only one who can bring that. And it's that grace, he said, that will reign in righteousness through eternal life. And so uh, we look at this and you go, how does this apply to us before we leave today? First of all, we made the statement that there's only two kinds of people in the world. You're either in Adam or you're in Christ, which is true about you. If you've never said yes to Jesus, if you've never put your faith and trust in him for salvation, you're in Adam. And death is ruling, and death is reigning, and it will have absolute control over you. You will die, and you will be eternally separated from God forever. 
you will try to fill your bucket over and over and over again. And you'll see there's a leak and you'll never be satisfied. But no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, if you say yes to Jesus and receive his free gift of salvation, you can be forgiven. He will deposit his life in you. And you can begin to fly over the rule and the reign of death and experience true, abundant, meaningful, satisfying life that he created you to have. Will you say yes to him today? Man, I hope you will. For those of us who have said yes to Jesus, do you know how alive you really are? if you don't really know it or you don't really believe it because you don't feel it's true, you'll never be able to experience it. You see that? Even, even though the rule of death and reign, uh, the, the rule of reign of death, the law of gravity, has been broken, the chains have been broken and you can fly up here, if you don't know that that's true, then you, you can't live that out. But if you don't really believe it and walk by faith that it's true because your feelings tell you otherwise you can't experience it either you're going to live by the higher law at work that's true of your life or are you going to live in the bondage that you've already been freed from no longer even true about you anymore now here's the final thing we've mentioned all the cruddy things that are going on in our world the mass shootings the violence the road rage the canceling of people the fighting the arguing that's going on in our political spectrum and I mean it just seems to get worse and worse the, the world is in bondage to death you can expect those kinds of things to happen if people are being ruled and reigned over by death, would you expect anything different? But we've been given the key to the lock that holds them in bondage. And Jesus sends us out as the church filled with his life and wants to work in us and through us to unlock the rule and the reign of death over people in our world by sharing the good news of the gospel, by serving them and loving them and caring about them, even if they're different than us, even if they don't believe what it is that we believe, even if they treat us poorly, he wants to use us in the life that he's filled us up with to be able to be expressed through us to serve and love and share the good news so that the key can be used to undo the lock so that the chains will fall off and then from an inside outward perspective guess what begins to happen behaviors begin to change do you want to change the world 
it starts with us quitting uh, stop, to stop complaining about all the things that are wrong with it and all the things that we wish other people would do in our world to make it a better place and realize that we are the church, that he's filled us up with all the life that we'll ever need and he sends us out with that life to be dispensers of life and grace into the world to transform and change it through us. Jesus said again, I'm the, we sang about it earlier, the rivers of living water, right? He puts the rivers of living water in us, right? And then he sends us out as the church. Could, could we trace any rivers of living water from 7330 South Broadway to your neighborhood when you leave here today? Could we trace any rivers of living water from 7330 Broadway to your places of work? To, to, to your schools, to your sports teams? Could we find living water that's running through our city because we're allowing Jesus to use us to express that life into our neighborhoods and into our workplaces and into our schools? Or we just find dried up creek beds? Because we, even though we're ruled and reigned by life, have put ourselves back under bondage and living under the rule and reign of death and all the effects that come with it, the aggression, the arguing, the violence, the canceling, the polarizing things that have to happen, and there's no difference between us and the rest of the world that we live among. Uh, my hope and my prayer that we'll look out one day that we could <laughs> put a drone up in the air and that you would see so many rivers of living water running through our city. And it's vibrant, and it's different, and it spreads throughout our state and our country and across the oceans. Of course, the ocean is water already. You get the idea, right? 